Kentucky basketball just had to play a game without DJ Wagner. Could more injuries hurt this Kentucky basketball lineup? I don't think so. You are locked on Kentucky. Your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. You can make every moment more, and right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. You can visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we have a number of listener questions to get to. Going to talk about DJ Wagner not being in the lineup. Going to talk about the lineup with seven footers. And then going to talk about who leaves the starting lineup when Aaron Bradshaw comes back. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Want to remind everyone out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you are watching on YouTube, would really appreciate it if you subscribed to the show. If you're listening on podcast, I would really appreciate it if you subscribed there as well. So let's go ahead and get into it. Answering your questions on today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. First question comes from Brandon88XXX. He says, my question is, now with four players injured, could we face a chemistry issue? Bradshaw coming back, but no Wagner. Wagner coming back, but then the lineups get a bit clumpy. I just wish we knew why we are the most injured team in basketball, because I fear chemistry could start becoming an issue if we don't get to 100% health quicker rather than later. So you look at Kentucky right now and the players that they have out. Let's count them up. Right now, DJ Wagner, I'm I'm pre-recording this episode before the UNC Wilmington game. I want to be clear. Um, most of my game or most of the episodes for the first week of December are going to be pre-recorded because I'm going to be out of town with surgery. So I've not gotten a chance to see the way Kentucky has operated against UNC Wilmington without DJ Wagner out there, period. So Wagner, not, not going to be good to go uh, for, for this game against UNC Wilmington. And then you have Zvonimir Ivasic, not cleared by the NCAA. We've talked about him already on a recent episode. And then Aaron Bradshaw coming back. You got on Yenzo is not healthy. So Bradshaw is coming back. So we've got three players injured slash ineligible right now. And you've got your one seven-footer coming back, which we will discuss here in just a minute. But Brandon asking here, is this a chemistry issue for Kentucky? I think you have to go and look at the Miami game to get your answer, which I think is a resounding no. You look at Miami as a team, top 10 team in the country, really mature, very experienced Kentucky without Wagner for the majority of that game with Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham splitting duties at the point. The Wildcats took it to them. They destroyed Miami in that second half. I think the chemistry, the ball movement, specifically on offense, and then the defense that you have at the guard position alongside the other players you have in this rotation does not face a chemistry problem. Let's start here with the offense. Like I just said, there was a stretch there 
between the end of the, the first half against the Hurricanes and then into the second half where Kentucky made 18 of 20 shots from the floor. Now, you are not going to be able to replicate that for the rest of the season, I don't think. If Kentucky does, then I'll be shocked. Your offense is not dependent chemistry-wise on one player. All players get involved in this offense. Justin Edwards gets involved. Trey Mitchell gets involved. Adu Thiero gets his shots. Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard and Antonio Reeves certainly get theirs. But everybody does a really good job of distributing the basketball. From the top down, Trey Mitchell is averaging four and a half assists per game right now. Rob Dillingham, excellent off the bench, had nine assists to no turnovers in that game against Miami. Reed Shepard, very solid distributing the basketball. The only player that doesn't do it a ton because it's not necessarily his role is Antonio Reeves. But even he throws passes that lead to other passes that lead to uh, assists. So this team, I think offensively, does not face a chemistry issue without Wagner in the lineup. I think that they're going to be fine. I think they are going to continue to score points. Do they score as many points as they have here over these first seven or eight games, averaging over 90 a game pretty much? I don't think so. I think Kentucky starts to kind of wind things down and that department as they're, especially during SEC play, absolutely during SEC play. Um, But I still think they're going to be a very, very, very strong offense. And Wagner's departure sucks. Let's be clear, because Wagner is a good player. But I don't think it harms their chemistry on offense. Look at what Kentucky's doing on defense right now and tell me what they need. I've not gotten to see Aaron Bradshaw play against UNC Wilmington. I don't even know if he plays it at all, or a ton, rather, I should say. I don't even know if he even plays more than like eight or nine minutes. But the Wildcats need more length on defense. That's simple. Putting in a seven foot one kid and removing a six foot three guard and then pulling a six foot three guard off the bench to replace his minutes, I think at the end of the day is a is a it's just a plus. You're getting more length out there to replace someone, which we will discuss at the end of this episode, who leaves the starting lineup when Aaron comes back. You just have more length. And then whenever Wagner comes back, Brandon asks, he thinks the lineups will get a bit clumpy, which I think if you want to talk about spacing, that could be a problem because you look at Wagner in a lineup with, let's say, gosh, you go Bradshaw and then Edwards at your three or Thierro at your three then you're looking at a really tall lineup that may have some spacing issues. But they may not. We talked way back in the spring about the possibility of Bradshaw and Hugo playing beside each other. And I think Cal knows how he wants to handle that. And I think the offense may take a tiny step back. But I think Kentucky's going to continue to do what they have. Play with a fast pace, throw the ball around, and find an open man and get a shot up pretty quickly. So I think the lineups could get a bit clumpy, but I don't think the chemistry is going to to disappear. I think the spacing may get a little bit more clogged because you have larger players out there. But in turn, I think your defense also gets a little better. So Brandon fearing that chemistry could become an issue if we don't get to 100% health. I don't think the way that this offense operates, it's going to lend itself to chemistry, significant chemistry issues with one player down 
right now that has not gotten to operate. Once players get inserted into the lineup, that's where you may start to have some questions about their spacing. I still think, I still think this offense and defense are going to benefit from players coming in rather than being hurt by players coming in. It's a very valid question to ask, which is why I picked it to start this episode. But based on the way the Wildcats have operated thus far, I'm going to lean towards no. I don't think that there will be a chemistry issue. In fact, I would I'm excited to see what Bradshaw, Hugo, Wagner, what all of these guys look like whenever they're healthy and ready to play. So if you've got any thoughts on the chemistry with Kentucky on offense and defense and how their rotations are currently going, you can leave that in the YouTube comments below. I want to continue along here and talk about the Wildcats and the way that they will play with one or more seven-footers because I think while your offense stays the same, I want to dive into a little bit further how Kentucky's defense could be impacted. I want to take a look at some numbers. Before I get into that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's literally no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that are super fun from spreads, player props, over-unders, more on top of that. You need to visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off your NFL season with FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Today's episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you are hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. It's not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. And hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. It's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate that they're looking for within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many different hats and they might not have the time or resources to hire. So thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. So you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That is linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, continuing along here on what should be the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl, hanging out here with you. I really appreciate you guys listening to Locked On Kentucky. It's been a fun year so far, getting further and further into this basketball schedule, getting further into the non-con slate. I don't know the outcome of UNC Wilmington. I'm hoping that we caught a dub. Uh, So we had the conversation about Ivasich yesterday, having the conversation about chemistry with the Wildcats today. And then tomorrow, we're going to talk about Kentucky and who their best point guard is or who their best guard is period on the roster and then at the end of the week we're going to have a Kentucky versus Penn preview so if you have not subscribed to the show already on YouTube or on podcast I would really appreciate it if you went ahead and did that subscribe it's going to be a fun year you know this after getting to see the cats 
And I would love to have you here on Locked On Kentucky to talk about what's going to happen with Big Blue Nation. So, continuing along, second question of today's episode comes from H2P Gaming 132. He asks, what does this team look like with one or more seven-footers? Well, we just kind of talked about it. And as you can tell, I'm pretty optimistic about what the Wildcats' chances to have even better chemistry is with more seven-footers in the lineup. I think that they are going to have better results. Coach Cal believes that the Wildcats are going to have better results. And whenever we talk about those results, what do we mean? I think offensively, there will not be much drop-off. That's the first thing I want to get to here. What does the lineup look like with one or more seven-footers? I don't really think a whole lot changes from the perspective of, okay, how are we actually operating our offense? Cal has talked a lot at the beginning of this season about letting these kids kind of play random. You can only imagine some of these kids, Hugo, Bradshaw, Ivasich, maybe whenever he comes back, they've still been practicing. Now, Ivasich, I don't think can practice anymore with the team. I may be wrong, but they've been practicing. They've been building chemistry off the court, off the live court, I should say, the court in front of everybody. And they've been beginning to build. They've been building themselves into this random, efficient, very efficient offense. And I can only imagine if your coach is sitting here saying, hey, these guys are getting to practice. They're doing some really cool things in practice. And he comes out and says, hey, I don't really think we're going to change a whole lot. They're going to insert perfectly. Now, something that he has said specifically about his four spot is when Bradshaw comes back, how do you utilize him? Do you do you post him up more often? Do you pull him out or pull, put him in there for Trey Mitchell at the five? Even though Trey Mitchell's been fine, why would you do that? I think that you start to see, in terms of pacing, maybe some different things that you do down low. I know that Trey Mitchell has done a really good job of getting the ball on the block, you know, working his way into the paint and then pulling up for like this fadeaway shot that he hits pretty consistently. But Kentucky, I don't think, has been able to get somebody in there that can that can post up, actually work a man down, and then finish directly at the rim, lay the ball up and in, or dunk it. Aaron Bradshaw, I think, can do that. Hugo can definitely do that. Ivasich, I'm unsure about, but because of his frame, you'd like to think that he has the, the ability to possibly do it. But I think Bradshaw and Hugo are your best options here. When you get those guys back, Pacing-wise, you will see Kentucky continue to do the same things. Work the ball around, find an open shot, or find a way to drive it into the lane. But you'll also see them work the ball into the post, work the ball around to get a, a, a post touch so that Bradshaw or Onyenso can go to work. Similar to what you've seen Trey Mitchell do, except you're going to see them be, I think, a little bit more aggressive and physical in the way that they, they want to score the basket in the paint. You'll see more consistent finishes at the rim, I think. I think. But even if you don't, if you see those guys continue to do what, what Mitchell has done, which is kind of pull away, finish away from the rim, you know, not necessarily back it all the way down directly to the rim, and they're able to kind of put up a little bit of a floater right there at the edge of the paint on the block or whatever it may be, you're still going to see the pace. You're still going to see those guys also get involved in the passing game. Not a whole lot, I think, that I think changes. And on top of this, you get a little bit of versatility with one of these guys. Two of them, if Ivasich is able to come, come play, which I don't think he will. 
you get some versatility with Aaron Bradshaw because he can do things that Mitchell can as well. He can also pop out to the three-point line, stand or work into a set where he stands in the corner in a catch-and-shoot situation. He can shoot from the top of the key. He can do some different pick-and-pop type of stuff. There are different ways that you can get Aaron Bradshaw involved in the offense away from the basket, and it's going to terrify opposing defenses, especially if you can get Mitchell and Bradshaw out on the court at the same time. I think that seven-footers being added to this lineup only makes Kentucky stronger. And there are a lot of questions about how this offense is going to operate. And I'm laying it out here how I think Kentucky's going to be able to do it, and I think they're going to still going to be fine. Now, will Bradshaw hit statistically Will he hit as many shots as some of these other players are? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think everybody on this team is going to be shooting 55-plus percent and then knocking down threes at an insanely high rate. It's just not possible. So Bradshaw may be less efficient, but I think he can still hit the shots. So it's obvious, I think, what happens on defense here when more seven-footers are added into the lineup. Take a look at some of these numbers, and this is what I wanted to talk about. Right now, Kentucky... Adjusted efficiency on defense is 56th nationally. The effective field goal percentage for opponents is 48.1%. That's 121st nationally. So that's above average. It's not good, but it's above average. Your offensive rebound percentage allowed is 116th. So again, good, but not great. Your block percentage and your steal percentage are top 40 and top 20 nationally. And then your two-point percentage is 117th. So basically what I just ran through there is a lot of different numbers that are in the 120s to 1-teens that are just kind of average but not good. And then you're good at creating blocks and steals. I think when you have more seven-footers in the lineup, you will see your adjusted efficiency go up. I don't think significantly. I think you'll climb. And I think you'll definitely climb as SEC play goes along because it's gonna it's gonna be a rough physical slate. You're going to play, you're going to need to play more physical defense with these seven footers. Your adjusted efficiency will go up. I think the effective field goal percentage will go down. I think that your two point percentage defense will go up. Oh, will go down as well, and your your ranking nationally will go up. And then I think your block percentage will increase. And then your steal percentage, I think, also in turn will slightly increase. You're really looking at Kentucky clamping down on what happens inside the arc. Because here's the thing. I talked about a little bit ago about Kentucky's length on defense. If you get longer people in the, in the lineup, you're going to have an easier time covering the half court. You just simply are. Now, teaching those guys to move and teaching those guys to communicate and to get into their spots and not break down on individual matchups is going to be a little difficult. But if you can force teams to the outside, if you can force teams to the outside, which a lot of teams right now on Kentucky score the majority of their points again uh, from outside the arc, 36.2%. That's how many points per game come from beyond the arc for opponents. That is top 40. That's extremely high. If you can force them outside and you can force them to shoot a slightly less per slightly uh, slightly less percentage than what they are currently, which is 32.3, you're gonna have a good defense. You're going to have a good defense. 
force them to the outside, and make them shoot over the top of this taller defense. I think they're going to have a, there are going to be a lot of teams in the SEC that will have cold nights and struggle against that. Now, you have to have the conversation about man versus zone as well here. And again, this goes back to what I was saying a second ago. How often can you put out a Bradshaw or a Mitchell or an Ivasic if he even comes back? And can you put him on a more versatile, more, more fluid power forward and say, okay, guard him at the perimeter? I don't know. We've not gotten to see these guys play. But my anticipation, based on the way that players are talking about these guys, based on the way that coaches are talking about these guys, Kentucky will be able to do it to an extent. So I think your defense inside the arc gets better. You can force opponents to shoot outside the arc. And I think that with your length on defense, it will make their percentages drop and it will make your defense more efficient as a whole. Also, I think Kentucky, the way they play defense right now, is somewhat beneficial to the way they like to operate their offense. Listen to the way that some different color analysts and the different broadcasts have talked about UK's offense. Jay Billis, I think, is a really good example of how he's pointing out, look, when Kentucky gets a rebound, even after a shot is made, they're looking to inbound the ball and get up the court immediately. They push the pace. When you have these three-point attempts that are being chucked up against you, when a lot of different teams like to take a significant amount of threes, you're going to see longer rebounds, and if you have taller players, you're going to see them grab those rebounds more often, therefore shutting down the offensive rebound percentage, I think, a little bit better on the defensive end, and then you're going to still see runouts. You're going to see those guys give it up to guards, and you're going to push up the floor, and then you're going to have the problem of, of a seven foot one guy barreling down towards the rim that's rim running. You're going to have a guy like Hugo doing the same thing. You're going to have a guy like Ivasic if he's able to play that can also stand on the perimeter while another seven foot one guy is barreling towards the rim. And the guard is going to be able to make a really great decision of like, okay, do I decide to run some type of pick and pop with Ivasic while the guy is barreling down? And then you're able to get a shot up from Ivasic or the guard. And then you've got a seven footer in, a, in the paint to potentially rebound that ball. Or do you go ahead and throw it to the guy inside and he's able to draw help and then you kick it out to a guy like Reeves or someone in the corner. I mean, there's it, it's going to come up. There's going to come a point, I think, if Kentucky is able to to hit at a rate that if, I'm not even saying they they need to hit as consistently as they have so far. They don't need to shoot 40 plus percent from three and 58 percent from inside the arc. They can shoot they can shoot above slightly above average numbers with that offense and it becomes a okay pick your poison we're going to score 75 to 85 points on you you're you're just going to have to choose how do you guard it who who do you help you're going to have to commit one and a half or more guys to assign uh, as an assignment to a guy like Bradshaw or a guy like Ivasic because their height and their ability to shoot also commands that attention so I think when Kentucky gets these seven footers in their lineup Statistically on defense, they will improve in a majority of ways. And in turn, I think it helps their offense that is already really good with these guards. So I think, I think Kentucky is going to get better when they have these guys out on the court. And I hope, I hope I've explained myself well. There's one more question we have to get to here on today's episode. What will Kentucky do when Aaron comes back to the lineup, who leaves the starting lineup once Bradshaw is ready? 
Before I dive into that, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Prize Picks. It's the best way to play daily fantasy sports. It's you against the numbers, and it's extremely simple. I myself have been using Prize Picks quite a bit recently. I can make my picks, submit my entry in less than a minute. They've got really quick withdrawals, super easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types that you can choose from. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across both football and basketball from the Specials League. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. So for example, you could take LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a plus 10 or at a 10 and a half combo of three pointers made and receptions so that so if both of them combine to go for more than 10 and a half three pointers made and receptions, then that would be awesome if you decided to choose that. You can go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash college. Use code college. First deposit match up to 100 bucks. Prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, wrapping up the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. So we are continuing to answer your questions. We asked, could more injuries hurt Kentucky's chemistry? What does the team look like with one or more seven-footers? And now, who leaves the starting lineup when Aaron Bradshaw comes back? Now, I don't think Aaron Bradshaw starting for Kentucky against UNC Wilmington. I'm recording this before that game happens, so I could end up being wrong. But I think that the Wildcats will at some point insert him into this rotation, I think. Because you have two different players that you could take out. It's either Aduthiero or Trey Mitchell. Those are your options. And I don't think, based on the way that Callis talked about it, at least right now, I don't think they want to take Trey Mitchell out of this lineup. I think he does a lot of really good things for UK. And on top of that, on top of the versatility, the shooting, the passing, the finishing, and the, and then the, the the defense, which has been which has been good for Mitchell, I think. You don't want to take him out of his position. I, I don't even. Not only do I think that you 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 don't want to take him out of the lineup. I don't think you push him up to the four. Cal talked about that. He's like, why why would we get him out of the center position? He he plays great there. We like him there. Bradshaw also, earlier in the spring, talked about how he wanted to play power forward. And Cal said, yep, he's going to play the four. So I think naturally, your guess here, if you have to make a guess of who leaves the the starting line when when Aaron comes back, and by the way, this question is also from Brandon88XXX. I think that it has to be the arrow that takes a step out. Now, let let me be clear here. I think the way Thierro has played to begin the year has been great. I think he's played really well. He's fit his role. He's been a really good rebounder, and he's been aggress- an aggressor, finishing at the rim and then playing uh, playing at the rim on defense. Although there haven't been a ton of great moments on defense, I will say, I think that he, his offensive game looks solid. It looks solid for the role that he needs to play for UK. But if you have a seven-foot-one guy, <laughs> that can shoot the three and play better defense. I think if he if Bradshaw plays well, he will find himself in the starting lineup at some point. And then whenever you get Hugo back, I think Hugo 
Hugo comes off the bench. I think he comes off the bench for Mitchell. And then when Ivasic, if he does play, I think he's behind Hugo. I think he's behind Hugo or at that power forward spot, which is weird to say. But I think when Aaron Bradshaw returns to this 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 team, when he's capable and ready to play in the starting lineup, if Cal wants to make that switch, I think it will be Thierro. If he makes that switch. Not when, but if Cal makes that switch. Because I don't know if Cal's like, you know what? I like the way that Thierro starts out games for us. I like to get him early touches. I think that he's aggressive coming out the gate. I like that style early. I say we we keep Bradshaw on the bench and we roll tight. I think that right now Bradshaw will come off the bench and then there's a chance for him to start. If he does, it's the arrow. So that's my take on it. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. You can follow me on Twitter at LanceDahl underscore, and you can follow the show on Instagram, excuse me, at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, you can leave those in the YouTube comments below. You can hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Have a great rest of your day, and God bless.